There comes a time when for every digital product, be it a B2B SaaS, a mobile app, or even an internal software solution, the biggest bottleneck in reaching the business goals is the onboarding process. And one of the most popular solutions when you try to address low onboarding rates is to install an in-app guide. So small models explaining how a tool works and that get you to click next and next and next until you go through the whole journey. But how successful are they to drive more people to onboard the apps that they are trying out? Welcome to the Data-Led Professional Podcast, brought to you by InnerTrends and Data-Led Academy. This podcast is dedicated to helping folks become data-led to build better products and experiences. In this episode, we'll hear from Ramli, Managing Director of Product-Led, Pulkit, CEO of Chameleon, and Esbon, co-founder and chief growth officer of Userflow, and we'll hear their take on the infamous in-app product guides. But first, Arpit, can you remember the last in-app guide you implemented? Why did you do it? Hey, Claudio. Yeah, I definitely remember the last time I implemented an in-app guide. It wasn't a trivial effort, but eventually I think it was totally worth it. So this was during my time at, at Integromat when I was uh, heading growth at Integromat. And why did I do it? Well, simply to fix uh, our activation rate. You know, we were acquiring a lot of users, you know, so the acquisition wasn't a problem for us, but uh, our activation rate was uh, pretty low, which means that a lot of people were coming inside the product, creating an account, but not becoming active users. That means they were not deriving the core value from the product. They were not hitting the aha moment. And well, we wanted to fix that uh, with the help of um, a series of in-app guys that would get users to that aha moment. So yeah, why don't you tell me? Uh, you, I heard that you recently implemented an in-app guide inside Inner Trends for uh, new users. So what made you go this route? Well, we started migrating from sales-led to product-led at the beginning of the year. And part of the sales-led approach was to have a call, an intro call to the product with every new customer. And as the migration was going slow, there is a lot of work that needs to be done on the product part. Uh, building an in-app guide was the quickest way uh, in which we could replicate that experience on the customer data, so in an environment that actually uh, is very useful for him. And that's why, yeah, that's why we decided to go in app guides and not uh, video tutorials or webinars, uh, which would be generic. The most popular use case of in app guides is to fix onboarding processes. But how does a good onboarding process look like? This is Ramli John, author of Product Land Onboarding and Managing Director of Product Led. And the retention curve he is describing is the retention of onboarded accounts. Most companies look at the retention of signups, but that includes the retention of people that didn't finish the onboarding process, and that one always leads to zero. Yeah, this is something that I'm seeing more and more often. It's around this seeing more progress bar and seeing like where people are it's such a useful gamification it's you see in video games where like you're step two out of four and that's the whole principle around it's called the zygonac effect when two or three are already checked off you're more willing to continue on it's such a great tool that i i wish you in signups you're step two out of three like it just really gets it going and just pushing people down to the next step it's just a very subtle way to encourage people to complete the onboarding rather than just uh, trying to incentivize them with 
with money or more free space or uh, we can go in the whole game theory around like why sometimes uh, incentives don't work as well to get people to to build habits. But it's just something that I've, I've seen work really well. And it's something that more more and more companies are, are doing uh, in terms of like getting people to flow down in terms of their onboarding. I imagine that, yeah, an example I can think of is Calendly. And I talking yeah. to the growth team there, if you connect your Google Calendar to Calendly, you're more likely to stick around because you made that commitment a little bit. There's that concept with the sunk cost effect where if you've already put an investment into something, you're more likely to go through. I mean, it could go both ways in a bad sense. Like if you're playing poker, if you put a lot of money in the pot already, it, sometimes you're, you have a losing hand. You're less likely to leave uh, and uh, fold your hand. But it yeah. also works in a positive sense in onboarding where if that one action, they've made that investment, they've put yeah. in their time, they put in that effort to connect their Google Calendar, they've put in that effort to customize a bot and call it like the Ramley bot. Like that customization creates a sticky effect because they've uh, put in this the, a sunk cost already and they're like less likely to, to pull back out. I can easily imagine that the first products that implemented in-app guides were games. And I remember when I was a kid and I played my first PC game, which had such a guide inside when you started to play. I remember that experience very well because it was helping me go through the story. But today, when I try new SaaS products all the time, I almost never get that experience because in the end, it actually matters how you implement the in-app guide. Yeah, I would say that one pattern that I see over and over again is the more the use more often of, of product tours. And I would say that it, most product tours are bad. <laughs> and the reason why is, once again, I'm using Claudia's word around, like, they don't have a clear understanding of the promised land. They don't have a clear understanding of the, the, the positioning and the value and what does user success look like, which... All of that stuff takes time to understand. And what happens with that is the product tour often becomes, uh, a, let's point everything out. <laughs> I imagine yeah. it's like going to Walmart or some kind of grocery store and somebody grabbing your hand and just starts pointing out every single thing. Like, hey, Claudio, here's the tomatoes. Hey, Claudio, here's the chicken. Hey, Arvin, here, here's where you can get canned peaches and i come in there and i'm like i just i just need some toilet paper i'm out of toilet paper <laughs> why are you pointing <laughs> everything out like it, yeah. it, you, when there's an unclear sense of what user success is it's not very clear where everything is guiding like every every wording every tactic every in-app guide every e- email should should lead to that should lead the promise line and if it's not clear then i think that's one thing i see over and over again it, it's just Let's put everything there, or it's it's quite it's, it's quite empty. Well, um, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, like uh, Ramni's um, example about Walmart, <laughs> it was I, I was literally picturing it in my head, and you know, I mean, I was just um, you know imagining how annoying it would be. Uh, but the funny thing is that it's not imaginary because I've actually had such experiences uh, in physical stores here in, in India, you know, where people literally won't let you actually explore and they'll just try to sell you stuff. So it's actually true. I mean, this is happening for real. So, um, so yeah, like, like Ramli said, 
you know, you, you really, really need to like implementing a guide is not just about the technical aspect of, you know, implementing a third party tool that help you build the guide or actually building that guide inside that tool or whatever, building that guide natively. Uh, it's not just about, you know, doing that work, right? It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, and of course, like whoever's responsible for building the guide obviously has to have a very clear understanding of the product. You know, they have to understand what success looks like. They have to understand, you know, what is the shortest path to success, right? Um, it's funny if, if you bring in an expert who's really good at building guides, but, you know, has no context of your product or your customers, you know, no matter how good a copywriter they are or how good a designer they are, their, their guides are unlikely to succeed for you. So, yeah, like, it goes without saying that, you know, like you obviously whoever's building the guide has to have a lot of context on why uh, guides are being implemented in the first place. And obviously you have to think about the implementation uh, end to end. You have to think about how you'd be sending data, customer data to your third party tool uh, where you're building those guys uh, to, to actually trigger those guys to the right users. You know, imagine, you know, spending a lot of time building a really good guide, but showing it to the wrong user. You know, I mean, that's the worst, right? Where a user, after already, you know, performing certain actions, sees a pop-up that says that, hey, uh, you should try this feature, right? Or have you done this? So obviously you don't want that. So tracking customer data accurately, sending it to you, your tool, super important. Uh, obviously knowing why you're building uh, the guide, you know, what is the goal and how you're going to measure it and where are you going to measure it? Like whether you, you might need another external tool to measure uh, goal completion, et cetera, maybe a product analytics tool. Of course, it depends on what tools you're using, but you obviously need that because just looking at how many people, you know, like, viewed a guide or completed a guide is not enough. You need to like actually see how many people viewed a guide or completed a guide and then actually performed those desired actions, right? So that's super important. So yeah, I mean, I, I think these things are, are really important, everything that Ramli said, and like I've experienced these things firsthand. I'm sure you, you have too, Claudio. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, your sort of thought process and framework uh, when it comes to implementing an app guide? Definitely. It's, we look at guides or, or in-app guides as something designed to help. And trying to help somebody that doesn't need help, it's really, really, really annoying. It also kind of comes up to what Ramli says. And that's why the process we use at InnoTrends or our customers of InnoTrends use to implement in-app guides is first they come to InnoTrends and check out what's the onboarding step where they have the biggest problem, the biggest drop-off. Once they identify that, we have a dedicated report that gets them to what are the actions that people do between that step and the next one. And InnoTrends automatically puts everything into three buckets, actions that have a positive influence on people getting through, actions that have a negative influence on people getting through, and actions that have no influence. So that's where we tell our customers, use that as the starting point of your guides. Actions that have a positive influence, the more people do them, the more of them will be successful. So you want guides to direct people towards those actions. Actions that have a negative impact, you want to use guides to drive them away from those actions to get them back on the right track. So instead of doing a, a guide beginning to end, you just identify a very clear problem with a very clear onboarding step uh, through a very clear set of actions, 
and do a very short guide there to try to uh, address the problem and then come back one or two weeks and check your inner trends uh, reports and see is there a positive impact of my guides or not. So what does the data say? Well, uh, let's hear it from Pulkit Agarwal. Uh, he's the CEO of Chameleon, uh, a product onboarding tool for SaaS businesses. What is the average number of steps of guides with the highest completion rates? So I'll give you one guess. One step guides are the highest completion. Now there is a big drop off after four steps. So we really always recommend to customers create short guides, make sure each step is very, very valuable and compelling. Don't waste someone's attention. What is the average completion rate of in-app guides across all industries? So the average completion of in-app guides across industries is 47%. And there's a lot more data and benchmarks in Chameleon's product tours benchmarks report that we release every year. Uh, one example is that users typically spend about 89 seconds uh, on, a, on a guide. So that can give you a sense of how long you have. You're about a minute and a half. Um, and that, you know, use that time well. Users do lose attention uh, after many steps and they can't absorb all the information all at once. So we really recommend breaking it down. Uh, shorter guides, more of them is fine, but shorter ones that are relevant to what the user is trying to accomplish. Don't try and show everything in the product at once. Try to really address the friction points that user might be facing in a way that they would find it to be helpful. Okay, well, that was great. Uh, I mean, I obviously agree with Pulke's point of view that shorter guides are better. Obviously, shorter guides are better if you can actually manage to build shorter guides or if your product allows you to build shorter guides. 100%, you, you don't want to like create unnecessary friction. You don't want to just point to random features. You know, you only want to tell people about, um, you know, what's important to them at, at the right time, right? So context is really important when it comes to building guides, right? You You want to show something like you're literally going in like like waving a placard in front of a user or like interrupting them so you you better have something you know good to sort of tell them which is relevant um and timely right so if you can manage to do that with one or two or three steps obviously that's amazing but i would still say that there are certain products where you just cannot do it you know the nature of the product is such that a three-step guide will not really achieve anything so don't Force yourself to make shorter guides just for the sake of it, you know. So if your product uh, allows you to do that, you should definitely do that. But if your product needs longer guides, it's fine to do that as well. Going back to my time at Integromat, we had to build pretty intensive long guides, you know. It, it might sound crazy, but some of our guides were like 50 steps. That's the nature of the product, you know, and our guides are super comprehensive, right? It may not be a good thing, but we did find some success with those. And then we, we obviously experimented with different versions. So of, co of course, you need to experiment and iterate and see what works. Sometimes short guides will work, sometimes longer guides will work. So there is obviously no one size fits all rule, but yeah, like context is everything. Uh, if you can break your guides down into shorter guides and, you know, like uh, trigger them contextually that's like that's the key i would say i also asked esbin who's the co-founder of uh, userflow which is also a product guide building tool or onboarding tool and he he has shared some numbers with us so let's hear it from esbin of course one step guides has a 100 percent completion rate but uh, beyond that when looking at the uh, userflow data and general uh, industry data we see that uh, guides with two to five steps have the highest completion rate it's around 50 percent as soon as you move above five steps, it, it drops to around 40% completion. 
And actually, if you go beyond that to 20 or 30 steps, it doesn't drop that much. It stays around the 40. But it's important to note that you also have to keep in mind that uh, fully completing a flow is not necessarily a need to reach your goal of activation, conversion, or retention. Sometimes just a sub-part of a guide is enough to uh, make the user understand that functionality and get them to the aha moment you want them to get to. In general, we see a completion rate uh, of 50 to or 40 to 50 percent if you exclude the one-step guides that has a, a natural 100 percent completion rate. But again, keep in mind that fully completing a flow is not necessarily a need to reach your activation, conversion, or retention goal. Sometimes it's enough to just complete it partially uh, for the user to get to their aha moment. Well, uh, all right. So before we, we sort of uh, wrap, wrap this episode up, there's one important thing that's worth uh, discussing. So how do you kind of decide between uh, building an app guide and, and actually fixing a UX issue? A lot of times people think of guides as band-aids where, you know, there's, there's a UX challenge or like, you know, the UX is not good. So let's just sort of build a guide to fix that. And that's obviously not always a good approach, but sometimes it's needed also. So how do you kind of go about choosing between creating a guide versus making native changes to your product? And Espin again has to uh, share some of his thoughts on that. So let's hear it from Espin again. If you're truly having a UX problem in your product, then I would always aim for fixing it in the product experience itself. But the power of no-code guides can be that they're deployed faster, so you don't have to wait around for engineering to get to that UX item. That means you can use a no-code guide as an MVP of that UX solution or as a stopgap. Having said that, then I don't think the main use case of guides is to cover for bad UX. It's rather a tool to drive attention towards new or unused features or key aha moments. This is not easily done via native UX improvements. So that is why no-code guides are valuable. So we've had some really good thoughts on the onboarding in-app guides in this episode. And some of the things that stick to me is are that in-app guides are a great way to test, a great way to experiment, uh, a way in which you... Whenever you have an idea, instead of simply going and developing it directly in the product, you can test it with an in-app guide. Another thing that uh, I remember and I loved from this episode is the fact that you should always ask people if they want the in-app guide. Some people simply don't. Those are my two main takeaways. What about yours, Arpit? I would definitely like to add something uh, to your point about testing. You know, for me, in-app guides are really all about testing and experimentation, you know. So there are two aspects to it. You know, one is testing as in, you know, trying different things and trying to communicate your, your product's value in different ways and, you know, experimenting because in-app guide is not something that you can just create and forget, right? It's not a set it and forget it situation. You build it, you measure the impact, then you iterate, then you measure, then you iterate. It's like a constant process, you know, uh, it's a full-time job. And then there's the other aspect of testing, um, and I and this really good example comes to mind. Uh, there was a product called FYI by Hitain Shah, and um, he had some like I and that's the first time I experienced that where there was a guide um, that pointing me to a button, and when I clicked that button, um, it, it showed another message, right? So, so there was a sort of like a pointer uh, pointing at a button, and when you click it, it shows you a message saying that what did you expect 
to see or what did you expect in the app when you click this button so that button was actually just a placeholder the fun the functionality wasn't there you know so a lot of times you can actually create parts of your ui without building functionality and when users uh, sort of click that button you ask them a question like an open ended question like what what did you expect this button to do right i think those are called ghost features if i'm not mistaken are a great way to to test like you put a ghost feature on something that doesn't exist but there is some ui to it and yeah definitely i can see how you could use the in app guides to to deliver ghost features just to make sure if you should build something or not so yeah great one yeah whether you're delivering a ghost feature or you're literally like you know through a guide you're you're sort of asking someone to click somewhere and then just trying to gather their natural reaction right so there there's so much you can do with all of these amazing tools at the market uh, that have, that have become so powerful you can really do some amazing stuff um and just you just need to keep in mind that it's time consuming and it requires a lot of effort so just sort of keep at it and and um yeah just just give yourself some time don't 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 try to ex- don't, don't don't expect magic to happen um overnight i think that's the good of the in app guide so there are amazing tools that allow like if you have the creativity you can do amazing stuff uh with them so that's the good part the bad part of in app guides And it's not necessarily bad, but many people don't really see it like that. I think in-app guides are very like emails. So it doesn't matter if you you publish an in-app guide. Not all your users will see it. Not all your users will interact with it. It's only going to be a percentage of it, and often a small percentage of the people. So it's not a solution to fix the onboarding experience of all your users because very likely the majority of your users will not interact. app guides but those that do on them you will definitely have an impact exactly absolutely that's for sure like having an app guide doesn't mean catering to 100% of your user base even if you're catering to like 10% and you know you're sort of getting them to succeed that that, that should make a significant dent um in your activation so yeah with that said thank you everyone for listening thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed uh, our new format and uh, We'll hopefully uh, see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Data-Led Professional Podcast. Don't forget to join us for the next episode. If you found this inspiring, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And don't forget, the podcast is brought to you by InnerTrends, the analytics platform for product-led growth companies, and Data-Led Academy, helping you build better experiences and have better conversations.